Welcome to Two for None. My name is Patrick Cullen. I am your everlasting host. And can you believe it? The man is here. Return from the Middle East. Christopher T. Barty. How are you, big man? It is delightful to see your face. Thanks, mate. Um, what a face it is. Uh, <laughs> what a, it's a face. face that launched a thousand ships, as far as I'm aware. Uh, strong nose. Strong. That's how I did it. Strong. Strong nose. Just, you have a push. Strong jawline, too, pal. Mate, how was Iran? Um, Can you talk to us about what you're doing there, what you were doing yeah, there? The, yeah, yeah. The fans of the pods who may not know. For sure, for sure. So I was playing for the, the Pararoos, the Australian men's cerebral palsy football team, um, in the Asian Cup uh, as, as, the, as, as the goalkeeper, um, as I have done for the past little while. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, this year the Asian Cup was held in... In Iran, um, it was an t- important tournament for us to do reasonably well at because uh, it was a. It's a, it also doubles as a qualifier for the World Cup in oh. Spain next year in Seville. Um, not sure if I'll get there yet. Uh, my back hurts a bit, uh, <laughs> and um, and. Man. But how did you go, B train with the gloves in hand? Yeah, did all right, mate. Yeah, no, managed to snag uh, a GK at the tournament. So, um, oh, yeah, oh, oh, hey, hey, ooh, hey, hey, ooh, all right. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> recently, happy with that. Um, the funny thing is, mate, I'm stoked for you. Yeah, look, I was happy too because look, I've I've uh, I've won goalkeeper of the tournament uh, domestically before, uh, never internationally. But the, the, I think the thing that made me happy about this particular trophy is normally. The um, trophy for goalkeeper at the tournament is like a creepy looking hand. Um, oh, yeah, sure. A disembodied hand. Yeah, That's always good for the trophy shelf. Yeah, yeah it put looks that like a thing room. from the Adams family, usually. <laughs> and um, uh, the, this time it was, a, it was just a ball. Like it was, it, was a, it was a football, it was a soccer ball. So, Great. Um, Great. I appreciated that uh, because, yeah, otherwise I just have a, a bunch of hands on, on the mantelpiece. <laughs> You know, I'm not sure, you know, who collects hands, but it'd be an unusual gentleman. Um, maybe you, pal, well, at this maybe. point. Yeah. Um, and, mate, did you... Did we qualify? Yeah, we did. Yep, yep, yep. So, finished second in the tournament. Outstanding. Um, uh, defeated uh, Korea, Thailand and Jordan. Uh, and then lost, Take that. And then lost all right in the final game, uh, but that's okay. We 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 kind of achieve the mission. So um, obviously, did, host nation. Yeah, you'd, I mean, you'd, you'd like to win, but against the host nation in their home country, that was that was good. Um, yeah, look, Iran's an interesting place. Uh, I bet it was, big guy. People were certainly very friendly. Um, obviously, they have a different way of uh, going about it and a different way of living, but that that's all right. Each to their own. Um, they were, as I said, the, the people were very friendly. Uh, they were very gracious hosts. Uh, the coffee was good. Coffee was good. Right. Um, 
shipping. And a couple yeah. of days off the sauce for you. A couple of days off the thing, so- sauce, mate. So, um, <laughs> the, the, you know, uh, I haven't, I haven't, uh, haven't had a beer in about a month, actually. So, oh goodness gracious! My little- well, you'd be pleased to know, pal, that here in Sydney, I've been drinking for you. Great. Um, I've put a really red hot Good. dent in that. So, Appreciate don't worry. It. In terms of our national two for none consumption, we're at an appropriate wonderful. Level. So, have you covered oh, yeah. there? Big man, while you've been Great. away, cricket has been occurring because um, it never stops. It can't stop, won't stop. Um, and look, I'm, I'm bloody pleased to have you back in the chair. Heidi Cheadle, our women's correspondent, stepped in for you while you were overseas and did a spectacular job um, with our women's cricket special, which resulted in the Irish uh, team's media manager, a, a lovely fellow by the name of Craig, sending us an email. And I've been corresponding with Craig a little oh. bit, and I'm hoping. I know, I know, because this is the magic of the pot. Um, I'm hoping that we can do an Irish cricket special For sure. in 2019. But um, I'm that is in development, Chris. That yeah. is that is a developing situation. Yeah. Um, so pretty excited about that one. Pretty excited just about getting the pod to the world. Iran, Ireland, um, so far only countries that begin with I, but I'm looking to expand that alphabet it's all, out. It's all happening. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be super exciting. Um uh, if you can get us jobs working for our Irish cricket, we'd, that'd be oh. that'd be good. Um, How good would that be? Especially remotely. If we could manage oh, to do them from yeah. the comfort of our own homes. <laughs> tell you what, tell you what, you give me a job with Ireland cricket, uh, I will, uh, I'll relocate. Um, that'd be quite a thing. Um, no, but big year for Irish cricket though. Uh, I think they, Huge, they played their first test against Pakistan, if I'm not mistaken, in May. So it'd be really interesting to, uh, to have a chat there, Pat, with... Uh, with Irish cricket about that and, and, and what the feedback was there from the great Irish public on, uh, uh, you know, on that experience. And look, CTB, if we could do that in pubs um, from Temple Bar, I think that'd be a great oh, pod yeah. experience. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, big man, we also need to probably cover off on the fact the reason why we're doing a pod today is that Australia lost a test match to India, um, the first test of the full match series, mm. and it was an absolute cracker. There was highs, there were lows, it went all over the joint, um, and we've got a lot to talk about. So um, let's make our way through to that. Um, Heidi Cheadle's going to stop by. She gave me a call a little while ago and we chatted some women's cricket, so yep, that's yep, going to be beautiful. part of the pod now as well. Love a bit of that. We'll have a quick touch in on the domestic cricket scene before we dive into the test defeat. Look ahead to Perth. And then we've got a new Indian cricket correspondent. Uh, Jai Singh is going to be dropping by with an Indian interjection. And Chris, can you tell us a little bit about oh, Jai? Mate, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I mean, you know, you know, you know I enjoy Tom Hawkey. Uh, you know I enjoy the Hawk. He's the man. He is the He's man. He's the man. He's the OG. Uh, you know I uh, enjoy a bit of uh, Chris the Goodman Goodrick. Indeed, he is don't we all? the finest South African that I know once removed. But <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you about Jai Singh. I am so excited that he's agreed to join the Two for None uh, podcasting team as our Indian correspondent. Purely because, uh, so I went to school with Jai, uh, known Jai a long time. Um, Jai Singh is the only person I know that rolled up to school with a handmade homemade bespoke cricket bat <laughs> incredible incredible and now i don't know if he if he brings that up in his indian interjection this week but jai i need you to talk about this thing brother like this was an incredible piece of uh carpentry 
Um, I mean, I mean that that shows a level of enthusiasm and uh, drive for the game that is seldom seen anywhere else. Um, look, CTP, I've I've heard his Indian interjection, which is coming later in this episode. And let me tell you, the analysis is in depth. It is in depth, Chris. You know. Where Tom Hawkey brought solid banter, a bit of chat, and some wonderful Britishness to the pod, and Chris Goodrick had some bombastic statements to make, was hilarious and uh, wide-ranging in his commentary. Um, Jai Singh brings the kind of focused analysis that this podcast has desperately been missing. Sorely uh, lacking. As far as just, <laughs> sorely, sorely lacking, some might say, Chris. Sorely lacking. <laughs> Some might say that he is the most professional person on this podcast, um, and that'd be that'd be right. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty accurate about that. So I, I will definitely chase him about that cricket about those story though, Chris. I, I do want to know what went down there. Yeah, it's it's quite a thing. I'm so excited he's agreed to join the pod. It's uh, something for our our listeners to look forward to. And I tell you what, you will know a hundred and ten percent more. Uh, about Indian cricket just by listening to the next, uh, well, to the five minutes that that uh, Jai interjects in this episode. Outstanding. Uh, B-Man, following that, I believe we've got a bit of crick lit to chat in on. And in classical fashion, what is starting to become the habit of this this segment is that you managed to get through this entire book and I do not. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that says a lot about me. Yeah, no, specifically um, So, you. look, I'm... I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on um, Richie Benno's uh, My Spin on Cricket, and uh, we can drop into that in a mere moment. Plus, we'll reveal what is the next book coming up in the Crick Lit Saga. So, big man, let's drive straight in and hear from our women's cricket correspondent, Heidi Cheadle, with Women's World. Hides, there's been a an absolute metric ton of, of women's cricket um, over the last little while. So... Um, I, I'm a bit flummoxed by what to focus on here because there's been so many games. I know. It's such a happy problem to have, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely like, right. Uh, where, where do I direct my attention? And you can never be bored because there's always cricket on the telly. It's like this is the time. Dude, Summer is the best. It, it's never ending. But I, I had to ask you about Elise Perry's 102. Um, she scored oh. against the Scorchers. Did you watch that? Man, I dream of it. <laughs> I dream of it. I will say I'm disappointed. I've, I haven't watched the whole thing yet because I recorded. Sure, 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 sure. Um, but I've I've obviously seen highlights. I'm not an animal. Um, <laughs> and it was just like gorgeous. And she, you know, and people, you know, she didn't really get a go batting at seven in the World Cup, and then she walks out, opens the batting, boom! I am the face of Australian women's cricket. Boom. Mate, just off the chain 102 off 59 against the scorchers i mean look like, you look at nine for 167 and you think of oh, 20 overs that's pretty solid from the scorchers there you feel that like is incredible <laughs> that's not going to be a bad score yeah 100 um, amy jones got a 57 opening the batting nicole bolton batting at three got a 40 you think yeah yeah 167 yeah that's competitive good start 100 percent good Runs start 100 and then they get Alyssa healy for two and you're like this is on like, forget about it. <laughs> Next thing you know, Elise is like, you know what, pal? Uh, there's other news coming in from upstairs. Hit the proverbial <laughs> bricks. Get out of my life. Uh, it's my time. You've had your fair share. Thanks. It's my time. It's. It, we should have always known that it was her time. I don't know why we thought otherwise, but um, that was just wild. Has that been your Gosh. highlight of the WBBL so far? 
Yeah, I yeah, I think so. I do you know what though? What? When the Sixers played the Stars, uh-huh. I was thinking, oh, my team, the Magenta's out there, we're going to win. And then Lizelle Lee comes out and it's like, hold on. Hold <laughs> on. And that was quality. She was so good. It was like, yeah, I'm, I know what I'm doing here. And that was great. Like her 100, I thoroughly enjoyed that as well. Mate, it's been but some- you have done. Oof. Big scores, big scores on the on the board there. Um, the other one which has kind of stood out to me is, was the Hurricanes versus the Stars, which happened just the other day. Um, and just a, a really great team performance there from the Hurricanes. Uh, Sindri Mandana, your mate, got a 69. Oh, my mate. Yes. Yes. Her class continues. <laughs> and look, it's a pretty stacked side, though. They've got Hayley Matthews and Heaven Knight there making rounding out the middle order. So um, pretty yep. serious work from the Hurricanes. They could be a real real contender. Yeah, I, I think so too. Great, great team. Like, a lot of good players. I think it'd be a lot of fun to be, like, playing with them, against them. I think it would just be really good. Plus, I really like their purple uniforms. Hides, are you just using this, this segment to try and get yourself into one of these WDL teams? If you're listening, yeah. I accept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Selectors of any WBL team. Oh, HG. No. She's just there. She's hanging out. Um, most recent game that just happened the other night was uh, with the with the Sydney Thunder playing the Brisbane Heat. Uh, Sydney oh, Thunder yeah, made 192 glad. there um, with a big, big innings from Rachel Priest with 49 and, and Humpernit Kula got 56. Um, again, solid top order performances there, Heights. Uh, Alex Blackwell, you know, 33. Yeah, uh, yeah Humpernit champion, always just an absolute champion, but... It, as I said, and I said it last time, but I'll say it again, Pat. I'll say it again. Uh, all these great scores, like um, her fifty odd, like didn't start out that well. She got dropped three times, I think. Get so out it's of like here. it's human to know you get, you know, she yeah, she made fifty, and she absolutely like she, when she found the middle of the bat, it was like boom, 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 come at me. But she struggled in those first little bits, and they dropped. I'm talking like Kirby Short, captain of the team. She dropped a couple sitters. One would argue oh. there were sitters. And she went on to get 50-odd, and it's like, you can't be doing that. Oh. Like, she was dicey early, and they didn't take the opportunity, and then she got 50. So it's like, you gotta, you got to take the opportunities when they come. It's all on the fielding. Oh. Especially in the 2020s, Hides. If you drop catches That's early, it. you're cooked. And- I mean, you go back to the underage cricket with the old sledge and stuff as catches win matches, Pat. And they certainly do. Well... Heinz, you can't go. You cannot go past that. It's good to see Jesse Hansen is back out on the field too for the Heat. She yeah, made a, she got a quacker, um, stumped. I love a stumping, Heinz. I'm not sure if I love mentioned that to you. Keep I love his a stumping. Union. Yeah. Keep his Absolutely. union, right? Um, <laughs> what's uh, what's what's uh, uh, Rachel Priest like as a keeper? Is she pretty tidy? Oh yeah, like I'm not one to bring a keeper down. <laughs> um, Obviously, like, my number one is Midge, and, you know, she's obviously the greatest of all time. Sure, 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 sure. But, sure. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. She does a good job. <laughs> keep, keep, yeah, that's it, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough indeed. Um, so, after all of that, what's the table looking like? Well, the, the Sydney Sixers are on top, as you'd expect. Your mates in Magenta. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Go, right. uh, they've got two wins out of three matches. The Thunder and the Stars are up there as well. My beloved Perch Scorchers are sitting on the bottom of the table, as are the Heat oh, and the look. Hurricanes. 
with um, Melbourne and Adelaide and Rajan making up mid-table positions there. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Hurricanes move up the order um, should they square and get a win or two of the board there, Hides. Any other dark horses for you there who are working down the bottom uh, of the table? I, oh, sorry, where are the Stars? Stars are sitting in third. Yeah, okay, good. I was going to say, if, if they're not higher than third, I'd be rooting for them. Um, look, I don't know. I think the Heat have a long way to go. So if they can pull it together, I know they've got to get the cobwebs out being early in the season. Sure. But um, look, we'll see. We'll never know. I actually thought um, Sammy Joe Johnson was bowling very well, and that's what the commentators were saying. I obviously agree with them. Uh, but So she was bowling well for the Heat. So there's absolutely definite potential that they can creep on up. They've got a lot of talent in that side, Heights. It's just going to be a matter of whether they can put that into action. And, and look, uh, for me, That's I guess the, the entire thing has been so overshadowed by um, Elise Perry's 100 that it's, it's kind of tough to move past that, mate. Um, we're kind of stuck in a bit of limbo period now. In terms of women's cricket, there's this series currently, and then we've got some ODIs in the new year. Is that about accurate? I believe so, yes. So uh, we're kind of looking to the BBL, WBBL to uh, give us a bit of form before those one-day series Oh, that's it. Absolutely. Fingers and toes, cross hearts. Mate. Um, everything. Everything, everything, everything. Any final thoughts, mate, before we uh, cr- drop ourselves out for oh. a women's cricket wrap? I'm thinking of calling it a women's world um, or women's oh, world. Oh, I love that. Yeah, do you like that? Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that could yeah, be a good like jam. I wonder if I can rip off the music from Wayne's World and put it at the top. <laughs> oh, my God. So worth trying. <laughs> well, let's see if I get sued. Um, uh, any final thoughts? Nah. Sorry, Heights? No. Nah. Uh, look, tune in. Keep watching. Keep supporting. Tune in. Keep watching. Keep supporting. Hi, to Cheetah. Yeah. Thanks very much. You're the best. Thank you, PC. Thank you. Thanks, Hydes, for an excellent uh, segment. Really appreciate you jumping on board the pod. Great to have a female voice in here, Bardo. Break it all up, mate. Break it all up. Break up all of the dudes. Looks just, again, sorely lacking. Sorely lacking. (laughs) I'm I'm actually, I'm going to create a meta podcast called Two for None. Sorely lacking. The Two for None story. It's going to be a podcast about all the things that Two for None lacks sorely. Um, no, but so good to have Heidi Cheadle, so, someone that uh, can speak with, with uh, 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 not necessarily more enthusiasm about the women's game, because you and I are very enthusiastic about the women's game, um, but uh, maybe a little bit more uh, uh, knowledge. <laughs> yeah, just straight up knowledge. Um, I'm happy to cop to that, pal. Um, mate, let's, let's talk about a subject which you and I are well-versed, and that's the domestic cricket scene in here in Australiana. Um, currently, the Sheffield Shield is rolling on. And, and, mate, the first one I wanted to talk to you about was the wild game that happened between Queensland and, mm. and Tasmania, um, where Queensland, in the, in the final innings of the game, put on 414 after being rolled for 107 in the first dig absolutely wild Bardo you want to see even more wild about that 6 for 414 nobody scored a century yeah no crazy crazy isn't that wild it is W-I-L-D Pat um (laughs) (laughs) spelling the word um I'm glad to see you can spell B-Trade yeah thank you no I appreciate it look hey man Full, full wraps to Queensland because when you get rolled for 107 in the first dig, you do not expect to come back from that. But 
my question is, what was up with what? That must have been some pitch. I don't know if I didn't. I, <laughs> that must be some pitch because I, I didn't get a chance to uh, to view a lot of it. But how green was that? Was it was it just oh, green? And then how quickly did that thing dry out? <laughs> because yeah, because um, the second inning scores for both sides are vastly vastly improved. Um, just a couple of notable performances from that game uh, there, Patty. Um, in the uh, look, as we said, um, uh, Queensland rolled in the first dig uh, for 107, but Tasmania posting a score of 167 in the first innings. Um, only really Matthew Wade, um, who is by the by leading the uh, run scoring tally for the Sheffield Shield at the moment. Talk about a Which is renaissance. Wild. Um, <laughs> Uh, with 63 off 106 deliveries whilst uh, everyone else was losing their heads around him. Um, uh, he was the standout performance, performer there for Tasmania. Also worth noting that he's adopted the captaincy duties. Uh, uh, George Bailey stepped down, I, I believe, just to focus solely on his batting. So, um, and, and then there for Queensland, just a, a, a nice even spread of wickets. So, three for ne- uh, for Nisa, uh, two for Feldman, uh, two for Wildmouth, and... Uh, Two for uh, uh, Steckity, um, who's uh, turning into an, a, a, a nice little option there, I think. So, um, really good start there uh, for uh, Queensland, but then it all kind of turned to uh, to poop. Uh, and, mate, I wanted just to mention George Bailey quickly, who's further tweaked his bizarre batting style, which if you haven't seen it, folks, just Google it. It is it is completely insane. He's now facing Gully, is what he's facing, <laughs> and looking over his shoulder, back over his back towards the the bowler, and turning around to play shots down the wicket. Somehow scores himself a ton in the first dig, uh, in the second dig on a, on a green seamer. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, what what even is that, Chris? Have you seen it? Well, look, I, I'll say this about George Bailey's uh, uh, batting stance. Um, I adopted a conventional batting stance for many years and didn't make any runs. <laughs> so maybe if I had a, had my back to the bowler, I might have scored a few. I mean, who knows? Who knows? But it, look, it is unusual. Um, I, I understand he, he did fiddle with it a little bit more in the second innings um, and, and resulted in a hundred. Um, but just wow. just uh, uh, one point I, I just want to make about Queensland Queensland's innings. Um, and that is uh, the name of the chief destroyer. So um, our man Jackson Bird, who, by the way, I don't think he's done yet, by the way, um, took three for 40. Um, but a big shout to my man, my favorite name, I think, in Sheffield Shield cricket, Alex Pycroft. <laughs> Alex Pycroft. He wasn't. Yep. He wasn't slinging pies that day, B. No. Well, it's the joke makes itself. Um, but uh, in his second first-class outing, by the way, um, uh, I think he had fantastic figures of uh, five for twenty-eight. Five for twenty-eight off eleven. Um, so big shout there to to the pie. Uh, we will be. I don't think pie watch quite has the same ring to it as pipe watch. Um, but I'm really pleased to see him doing uh, doing well. Um, and then uh, the second innings there for, for Tasmania, they managed to make uh, 353 uh, all out. Again, as we said earlier, George Bailey making, uh, making 100, 
Um, his first 100 in a little while, I believe. Uh, Matty Wade mm. chipping in with a handy 40. Uh, Simon Malenko with 53. And that man again, Alex Pycroft, um, making <laughs> a handy 29, uh, coming in at number eight. Uh, now, you would have thought that would have been sufficient to get the job done. Um, you would. Uh, but... Uh, not to be outclassed, the uh, the Queensland lineup, as you said, Pat, really batted as a unit. Um, uh, with uh, Joey Burns, uh, Marnus Labashane, uh, Bold Pycroft for 78. <laughs> <laughs> Pycroft's going to make you so happy for so long, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's going to bring you extreme I'm, amounts of joy. It's a great name. It's a great name. It's a strong <laughs> it's cricket true. name. Um, and um, uh, so great. Jimmy Pearson and Michael Nesson. Jimmy, Jimmy Pearson and, Ma- and Michael Nesson getting, getting, getting the job done. So big shout. Great escape there from, uh, uh, from the Queensland. Um, and as we said, Pat, this is just some notable, uh, notable performances. Um, so the, the, that was certainly a match of the round, no doubt about it. But I think yeah, for sure, there are some other performances that uh, should not go uh, unnoticed. Uh, well, especially in the game that happened between South Australia and New South Wales, CTB. I mean, South Australia whacked on 380 in their first innings, led by Alex Carey, who had 110 not out. Thank you very much. Tommy Cooper, um, who's batting mm. at five there, is also doing really well in the overall run standings. He's he's quite up tight, high up the top as well, um, young Tommy Cooper. He's sitting third on the list with 501 runs and an average of 45 this season. So he's, he's doing pretty well, that um, and, and again, Chris, like you'd think coming off the field with 380, you'd be pretty pleased about that in a four-day match. Um, sadly, there's no Pope watch this week because uh, he was booted out of the side for Adam Zampa, which we all know is, is a travesty as much as we love Zamps. Um, New South Wales came in, though, and Daniel Hughes and Nick Larkin put on a gigantic partnership, um, a 200-run partnership, mate, mm. before Larkin fell there, uh, 134 and 109 respectively. Mm. Um, Moses came back in with another a 99 before he was caught and bowled. Um, plus good contributions from Peter Siddle, sorry Peter Neville, Jason Sanger, and Steve O'Keefe, who's just the gift that keeps on giving, um, to create eight for eight down for 541 declared. Um, just a huge effort there, Chris. Mm. And, and Moses Henriques has, has come from nowhere this season to really score a couple of big numbers all in a row. Yeah, look, I'm, I've always been a big fan of Moses Henriques. I, I actually really like the way he goes about his cricket. Um, uh, had, a, I think, a handy tour of the subcontinent a few years ago and really hasn't had a look in, in, into the uh, test lineup at the moment. Um, and look, you know, as we as we know, you know, if you just continue to make runs in Shield cricket, you are a chance to knock down, uh, knock on the door at the moment in the Australian Test lineup, um, which is by no means settled. So, who knows? Uh, you'd have to say at the moment, probably probably uh, Daniel Hughes is, is the one that they'd be looking mm. at. Um, but that being said, as as you say, there were multiple contributors there for New South Wales. Um, I thought the pick of the bowlers for South Australia. Well, it really wasn't great reading, to be fair. Uh, what no, a will! St- eight of them beat Bardo. Bloody hell! Yeah, I mean, look. I mean, you mentioned Adam Zampa before, um, but finished with figures of two for one hundred and seventy-five or forty-seven overs. Oh. 
Um, I mean, Oof. big shout for getting through just a mountain of work. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, obviously again must have been a, a not a friendly track for him at the time um mm. not really a lot to write home about for for uh, uh south australia but i will give a shout to tomic cooper taking two for 95 of course more of a noted batsman but uh getting amongst the wickets there um south australia uh in their uh in their uh second dig there but just really really couldn't get couldn't, couldn't get a lot going um, only yeah. really the uh, the captain Jake Lehman um, making 67, making any sort of inroads, and from there really the game resulted in a draw. Pick of the bowlers for um, uh, New South Wales in the second innings was uh, Sock Stephen O'Keefe um, taking four for 88. Um, hard to see Sock uh, breaking back into the Australian lineup, particularly with the way that Nathan Lyons bowling at the moment and John yeah, Holland absolutely. taking wickets for Victoria. But you never know. So uh, a good performance there for Stephen O'Keefe, um, and I think. And look, he's a talented bowler, but yeah, no we're, doubt. We're, we're, we are fans of Sock, um, but I think you're right. He might have got a bit long in the tooth, and he got a bit um, up in people's faces, which may have may have cost him a spot too. Um, had a bit of a couple of off-field incidents, which I don't think mm. um, blew particularly well on him. Speaking of blokes getting up in people's faces, mate, the, the story that really took my eye on the domestic scene this week was about a young fellow by the name of James Pattinson, um, who's come back into the Victorian side after his what well, seems like eight millionth layoff for injury. Um, came back in, Bardo, and was a bowling heat, mm. and b getting up in the grill, up in the George Foreman of young. Mark is Stoinis. Um, I've just posted the video of his antics in that game and his top-notch sledging uh, on the Two for None Facebook page, folks. Go and have a look. Let me tell you, Jimmy <laughs> Pattinson is back. He's, he's feeling all right. He was right up in Stoinis's grill, pulling all sorts of faces, giving him all sorts of chat and bido. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, just entertaining cricket, wasn't it? I think uh, I, I saw the video on uh, on the old Instagram there and uh, I think even Mitchell Johnson was commenting about how much he was enjoying it. So, uh, look, good to see, you know... Um, I mean, obviously they they know each other uh, they know each other well, but um, bit of bit of entertainment value for those of us tuning in on the uh, on the uh, digital subscription there. Um, some notable performances though, Pat. I think um, first of all uh, in the Victorian first innings, remember this guy, Nick Maddinson. Um Ah, oh, yeah, the New South Welshman. New South Welshman. New, New South Welshman. I believe didn't have his contract renewed by cricket. Uh, New South Wales um, and uh, was picked up by Victoria making his if I'm not wrong maybe wrong hope I'm not um, making his Shield debut I believe for for the Vicks or, or possibly second game for the Vicks 162 mm. off 293 just uh, reminding people that he is a guy that can bat I think he sustained an injury in the second innings though which is not ideal um, oh. but that being said uh, just some other notable scores there for Victoria 57 to uh, Glenn Maxwell, the big show. Um, but, um, again, just a guy reminding people that he's still here. Um, the Bear, Cameron White, 119. Oh. You ripper. <laughs> Love it. Love to see it. You're a big fan of the Bear, oh, huge. You've always been a fan. Love it. A huge, huge fan of the Bear. Um, pick of the bowlers for, for WA, I think, in that first dig. Uh, probably Dave Moody there taking three for 72. Um, again, a handy seamer. Uh, Mitch Marsh, 
probably one to keep an eye on in this batch as well, taking one for 82, uh, uh, getting through 18 overs worth of work, which is good to see. I think the more Mitch bowls, the the, the more he increases his chances of, uh, of Australian selection. Um, they then, kind of took the long handle to him a bit there, though, pal, especially when you compare him to the Stoin. Um, yep. 18 overs, one for 82, got belted as opposed to Stoin. It's um, 16 overs, one for 30. So definitely took the long handle to him. Um, but that's yeah. going to happen in a score of 424. Somebody's going to get belted. And look, the sto- WA, unfortunately, couldn't reply, mate. They got torn apart there, all out for 296. I mean, not torn apart, that's an extension. But down to, you know, Ashton Turner, um, the all-rounder there, things were looking pretty brutal. He comes to the four with about seven for two. 248 chasing mm. you know over 400 on the board um things not looking so good so um he's he did really well there to hold hold innings together um but yes mate what was your other thought there sorry oh yeah no, no super handy cricketer ashton turner um and look just uh maybe not the i mean 296 isn't it isn't a terrible score um, they West Australia would probably be feeling that they perhaps could have done a little bit better. Um, they have a reasonably strong middle order as well, I would have thought, with uh, Mitch Marsh, Marcus Stoinis, uh, Will Bazisto, Ashton Turner, uh, and yeah. then uh, Inglis, the wicketkeeper, coming in at uh, all the way down in at number eight. Well, of course, Hilton Cartwright, uh, uh, Test player Hilton Cartwright, coming in at three. So yeah, they would have hoped, I think, that to maybe get a few more runs on the board, not to be. Um, but uh, big shout there again in the uh, as we alluded to earlier, Johnny Holland uh, taking a few wickets, five for sixty-five at an economy rate of wow. one point six eight. Just again reminding the selectors, um, this is I'm going to call this the I'm not dead game, Pat. Um, <laughs> this was a match where people reminded other people that they're not dead. I'm still here. I'm still doing good work. Um, we of course had uh, James Pattinson, who's who's uh, injury free. We've had Nick Madison, who's you know told people you know drop me, you know don't give me a contract at your peril. Um, uh, and uh, we've uh, now got Johnny Holland taking five for sixty five. Uh, and on that thought, there, Bardo, Scotty Boland. You know, a man largely forgotten for test playing ranks, widely regarded as a white ball player only, mm. um, took four for eighty one there, and is actually the top of the um, top of the wicket takers list. He's got thirty six wickets this season at seventeen, which is just wild. That's right. Um, yeah. Look, don't sleep on Scotty Boland. He's a he's certainly a very don't sleep on him. Very handy first class cricketer, bowling extraordinarily well at the moment. And uh, I think just behind him as well is Chris Tremaine, um, yeah. who, of course, was in the squad for the first test. Um, so Victoria's fast bowling stocks at the moment are extremely strong with Tremaine, Boland, and Pattinson. And uh, then the likes of Holland and Maxwell also to, uh, to chime in. So um, hard times facing the Victorians at the minute, mate. Yeah, they're a strong side, mate. The only other score that I wanted to mention, pal, uh, was Stoinis got himself an 85 in the second dig for WA, um, even after the, the head batting into a draw there just to draw out the game. Ashton Turner again got a 63. He's looking pretty solid. Uh, a person notable for his lack of scores, however, was Mitchell Marsh, um, 11 with the bat there in the second dig, following on from his 21 in the first. And, and mate, that... Speaking about Mitchell Marsh leads me into talking about the test quite nicely mm. because I'm sure even though you're in Iran, you were as shocked as I were about that. Um, and yeah. I, I mentioned it 
um, briefly to Heidi last week, but talking about the lead into this test and the selection of the side, it was wild to me that they selected the, the 11 for the playing day and didn't include Mitchell Marsh only about two weeks after they had selected him as vice-captain of the side. Yeah, yeah. I think- now, either one of those choices to me is fine, but you know, don't select a bloke if he's not up to scratch. That's cool. Make a guy your VC. That's cool as well. But if you make a guy your vice-captain, you've got to pick the bloke. If you're not going to pick him, don't make him your vice-captain. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. It does, it certainly does, uh, oh, well, sends a bit of a mixed message for sure. I, it was unusual to me in, uh, um, in the fact that, uh, you know, uh, was it was just, to me, it was just an unusual selection. The justification was that they wanted to pick an extra batsman and felt that their four bowlers would get the job done. Now, half of that proved correct. I thought the bowlers, generally speaking, bowled uh, quite well. Uh, obviously, uh, Nathan Lyon was superb um, from start mm. to finish. Josh Hazelwood was really solid. Um, Paddy Cummins, I think, bowled without a bit of luck, but um, you know, just steamed in. Um, there was there was some question marks over Mitchell Stark's performance at the moment, and 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 whether or not um, he's at the peak of his powers. But generally speaking, I think the bowling unit did a reasonable job. Um, you know, they certainly had India on the ropes there in the in the first innings. Um, the a second point, though, was uh, about leaving Mitchell Marsh out was that they would shore up the batting order with an extra batsman. Now, if there was a point at which this game was lost, um, India outbatted Australia. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. think that can be questioned. Um, without Virat Kohli, I'll add there, Chris. Oh, without, without Virat Kohli... Um, but still some reasonably handy batsmen uh, uh, pitching in. Um, I think Pajara was, you know, uh, Pajara's, Pajara's knock in the first innings is really what set apart the game. Um, yeah. And Australia, as, as we know, lost the game by 31 runs. Now, that is probably, I'm guessing, about what Mitchell Marsh's test average is. Now, I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying that selecting Mitchell Marsh results in a victory. Um, but um, what I am saying is that part of the rationale, I think, for excluding his his selection um, didn't come to fruition. Um, that being said, I'm not entirely sure that I would make too many changes for the second test. Chris, you're really close there, mate. Mitchell Marsh's test batting average is 26. He's uh, got 35 with the blade and ODIs. So um, there you go. It, it's pretty. You're pretty bang on. His first class batting average is 31.93, pal. So you're on the you're on the money there. Um, it's it. Uh, look like a, a really tough one, and, and I understand that selection's a very difficult job. But I've got to say, mate that I was sitting there watching the first day of that test when it was 43 degrees and the bowlers are all steaming in there, bowling 19-20, Nathan Lyon bowled 28 overs in 40-degree heat. Mm. And you're sitting there watching that going, wouldn't it be handy to have an all-rounder? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that, Somebody that, that was my other, my other thought as well is, um, uh, uh, was Marnus Labuschagne that bad in the UAE in terms of his batting that he didn't deserve another game? I mean, I mean they were all they were all fairly ordinary. But the other thing that Labuschagne brings uh, is his bowling. 
Um, you know, he could have yeah. he could have rolled his arm over a little bit, and he's he's a proven wicket taker at Test level. Um, I guess they figured that Trav Head was a better shout if for that. If he wanted a guy that can bowl some spin and 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 bat, they figured that Trav's batting was probably a bit stronger. But it look, I mean, Chris, it was just it was a bit strange, and I was left like scratching my head there. Um, India won the toss and batted and batted well. Um, we got a couple of early wickets. In fact, we, we had them three down looking pretty shaky for a bit there. Once Virat Kohli went to an absolute screamer of a catch um, from Usman Kawaja. I mean, Usman has done a lot of work, I understand, yeah. on his fitness and his fielding. And holy dooly, did it pay off in that moment. Flew through the air, arm outstretched, and it held it in the mitt. I'm going to say it was Ponting-esque, Bardo. Ooh. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to throw out there. Um, it was quite extraordinary. Um, and, and look, we were able to pull through a couple of wickets there. At one point, we had them 5 for 86. And at 5 for 86, I'm feeling pretty confident, Bardo. I'm like, this is it. We've got him here. Got him by the short and curlies. Uh, unfortunately, a couple of middle-order batsmen, Rohit Sharma, uh, Rashba Pant, and uh, Ravi Ashwin, were able to put on some good scores, and they got the score up to 250. Mm. And look, Bardo, I'm looking at 250, and I'm thinking to myself, 250, Adelaide Oval, so long India, Aravadechi, like, yeah. thanks for playing, yeah. boys, but um, your time is gone. And they they ended up being able to take that. 250 ended up being a good first inning score on that pitch. Um, the bowling was shared. Starkey got two. Hazelwood got two. Um, Cummins and Lyon both got two as well. Everyone was averaging pretty similar amounts. And one thing I do want to bring to your attention, though, Bardo, is the extras, right? The extras in Australia's bowling performance in that first dig was one. Mm. In the second Indian innings, we had 36 extras. Yeah, and lost the game by 31. Right. 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 So, huge. Um, Mates, Australia came out to bat, though. Um, Let's talk about the Aussies first innings. And Powell, it doesn't make great reading. Uh, Finchie got a duck. Harris got 26. How did you feel about Marcus Harris at the top of the order there, B-Man? Not not bad. (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Um, Look, uh, if he's your guy, pick and stick. That's all I'm saying. That's what I yeah, think. I think I wouldn't be making a change on Mark for the next test on the basis of Marcus Harris's performance. I thought both. I think he made twenty six in both digs. It looked reasonably competent. Looked like a, a traditional, you know, first class opening batsman. Very solid technique. You know, they were. I think in the coverage they were talking a lot about his his body position as opposed to someone like Aaron Finch. Um, uh, I mean, the first dig doesn't make for great reading. Um, there's no. How was Finchy getting out third ball yeah, and that ball uh, from Ishan? That doesn't by the help. Way, far out. I mean, if there's one positive, uh, I, I heard a stat that that was the first time Australia had been um, one for none in ten years or so. I think since about 2009. I thought that was wow. I mean, that's a positive, isn't it? <laughs> That's good. Um, would have been nice. It's a retrospective positive. Yeah, it would have been it's nice to keep that going. But um, uh, look, at, and obviously uh, Travis Head again um, was was the pick of the pick of the batsman. I'll be honest. Um, I I haven't been overly uh, uh, thrilled with uh, his international performances so far. It was 
undoubtedly the best of his performances uh, in international cricket thus far, I thought. Um, yeah. Really patient innings. Um, you, you batted reasonably well with the tail uh, up until they got out. Um, and uh, just some courageous batting from uh, from Nathan Lyon at the end to make the score uh, respectable and keep Australia in the game. Bardo, at this point, we have to talk about Sean Marsh. Um, we have to talk about our mate because I've got a new theory that I want to run by you. Uh, right. I think this covers it. My theory is that between the numbers of runs of zero and 10, Sean Marsh is one of the worst batsmen in Australia. Between zero and 10, he's a shocker. Right. Between 10 and 100 and 100 and over, Sean Marsh is one of the greatest Australian players going around. He is undefeatable. He is bloody glorious. But his first 10 runs are the scratchiest thing in the world. If Scott gets past 10, he'll get a 50. If he gets past 50, he's really likely to get 100. If he doesn't get past 10, he's cooked. Yeah. His goose is done. Um, he's incredibly nervous, I think, early in his innings. And like incredible, unlucky stuff happens to him. And you watch him and you're like, sauce. Like, how did this occur? You know, the ball after lunch. Ravi Ashwin throws up the tastiest, widest, slowest delivery of the day. And somehow an inside edge gets two bounces onto leg stump. I mean... Yeah. yeah. Oh. Look, um, every, <laughs> I, I think it's... You go. I would all know. People People know that I'm, a, I'm an advocate for Sean Marsh and I will continue to be. Um, uh, I thought uh, I think that was, there was a, head, a nasty headline from sportingnews.com.au uh, throughout the week that was not helpful uh, <laughs> at all um, to those of us who are true believers um, but um, uh, uh, it, the unlucky things do tend to happen um, but yeah I mean and, and I think it's an open secret now that, that uh, once he gets set he, he is one of the best batsmen to watch and and one of the one of the cleanest strikers of the ball, um, uh, hopefully uh, you know he can he can find a way through it. I think he proved his value in this in the second innings, um, but uh, absolutely you know and but and I think a a home test match is very well timed uh, for Sauce yeah. at the moment because uh, he will get some parochial support um, from the West Australian crowd uh, and hopefully that results in, uh, in in us seeing the best of him. And him, uh, you know, having the opportunity to silence some doubters, I think. Um, one, one. Uh, sorry, go. Sorry, you go. Oh, I was just going to say that um, I wanted to mention that uh, they were talking on commentary about how much Nathan Lyon has been working with his brother, who's a batting coach, um, on his batting technique. And I yeah. must say that I was blown away by Lino's batting in this game. He was absolutely awesome, Chris. He was like, especially in the second dig, he was playing back foot punches through cover, um, just like it was nobody's business. It was it was very impressive. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, uh, the, he looked confident, didn't he? He looked confident, and uh, I think in the past he has been uh, more of a, a, a dour, defensive Jason Gillespie style. Uh, um, tailender um mm. but uh gee he played some good strokes and i think a, a a six in the first dig there as well yeah um which was a, a yeah. very nice pull shot over square leg outstanding work um 
For the Indians, they bowled exceptionally well, I thought. This is by far the best Indian um, fast bowling attack I've ever seen. Um, Ishan Sharma, we know what Ishan's all about, you know, nips it around a bit off the seam. Muhammad Shami can swing it with the new ball and the old, gets a bit of reverse. Went for a couple compared to the rest of them, but was solid. Ravi Ashwin was his wily self. Um, but Chris, I really wanted to talk to you about Jasper Bumrah. Yeah. Because, you know... There was a bit of chat about this bloke before the test started. And, mate, I have never seen a bowling action like Jasper Boomer's in my life. It is wild. It makes zero sense. He trots in, right, keeps one arm, his front arm straight, and then throws it out to the far left of his body. And then his right arm comes through straight as well over his head. It's like how you see toddlers bowl when they're first learning how to bowl and he just never stopped. And somehow he walks in off three steps and, and bowls at 140 clicks. I mean, it looks like the kind of action you have as a toddler, Bardo. You know, when you're, when you're first learning how to bowl in the backyard with your dad, it's wild. Or in your case, at 17. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how very dare you, Bardo. How very dare you. You're spot on, though. You're absolutely right. That, that chronology checks out. You, you know who he does remind me of? They're not necessarily in bowling action here, but in the way that he's able to run in off four steps and generate some serious heat is our mate uh, Tim the Burnsy Burns, um, who used to bowl to us in the nets Mm. off two and a half steps Mm -hmm. and bowl at about what felt like about 140 clicks, um, all shoulder. All shoulder. But Burnsy was... Was was you know a, a strong man. Uh, I'm not saying that Boomer isn't, but his actions just so wild. I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, look, and look, Burnsy had a vicious inswinger too. Let's not forget that. Um, True. That, that thing would just hoop around a corner. Um, exclusively uh, one corner though, because <laughs> if I recall, it was a bit like a, it was a bit a bit of a Derek Zoolander ball in that it couldn't turn left. Um, or swing no no it could swing left I think but not right I forget anyway he only swung it wasn't an ambi swinger Chris is what we're saying it didn't swing both ways it was not an ambi swinger no no it wasn't it wasn't an ambi swinger Um, yeah dude uh, Jasper Boomer that's unpredictable I gotta say though I think my my bowler of the first innings was uh, Ravi Ashwin Um, Mm. that guy's a thinker um He's crafty, isn't he? Uh, he's crafty and um, uh, in a lot of ways, he's one guy when he's bowling, I sort of think, oh, I'm not confident here. I don't feel good. Um, yeah. In much of the same way when you watch uh, Kagisa Rabada bowl and you're like, oh, yeah. this is a wicket waiting to happen. Um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so, sorry, I shouldn't swear on the pot. Um, when's the, you know, when's the next one going to fall? Um I kind of get those vibes from um, Ravi Ashwin. <coughs> Bless you, B-Train. Uh, I kind of um, get those vibes from Ravi Ashwin, yeah. Yeah, mate, absolutely. He, re- he really does give off a lot of that. And look, Australia with 235 on the board, we didn't feel like we had a lot of hope there. Oh, and mate, before we move on, we needed to mention it. Um, in the first dig, Paddy Cummins' extraordinary run out of Pujara, um, like in the last over of the day, picked up the ball one-handed, diving, 
pinged it, hit one stump. By all accounts, he started sending the highlights on the WhatsApp to the team immediately <laughs> afterwards and has not stopped since. And I, I can't support that enough. It was an extraordinary piece of fielding from a man who'd bowled 20 overs. Um, yeah, just why? What an athlete, Chris. What an athlete. Yeah, what an athlete. Have you noticed too in a lot of the uh, promotions, they're putting Paddy Cummins front and centre. Um, oh, why wouldn't you? Good-looking man, Paddy Cummins. Good-looking man. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And great salad too. Um, Good somebody's salad. Somebody's taking care of the hair, uh, hair yep. up there. Yeah, quality um, on salad. PC. Um, big man, uh, the the Indian second innings was where they won the game, um, and and you know that it really does come down to Pajara again with a seventy one. Uh, Rahul at the top of the innings, I thought looked quite good for forty four. Um, Virat chimed in with thirty four, but being, being removed by Lyon and Anjika Rahane um, with seventy there on the bat. But mate, what an extraordinary uh, performance from both Pajara and Nathan Lyon in that innings to make a thrilling contest. Yeah, look, um, there were a couple of interesting ones here. I thought, um, again, Australia had themselves in a, um, uh, well, a spot of bother um, in the second innings, um, but were continually in, you know, still in the game and and hanging there or thereabouts. Um, uh, I thought the the piece of bowling, though, that, that kind of intrigued me the most was the way in which Lion removed uh, removed pant? The way in which Lion removed pant, Pat. Um, it's not quite Pycroft, but it's close, isn't it? Yeah, keep yeah, going. Well, that's right. Um, the um, uh, what, what enticed you about the way that he got pant? The, the way. Well, the thing that, that enticed me about the way that Lion removed pant. Um, <laughs> Pat uh, was uh, the, just I thought it was just a clever piece of bowling where um, it, it, he was uh, pitching the ball uh, a lot more on uh, sort of middle and leg um, and Pant was um, uh, taking him to the cleaners um, uh, the Pant was taking him to the cleaners as opposed to Lion <laughs> taking Pant to the cleaners um, there's so many oh things you can goodness. do here um, but um, I, I, look I thought it was really interesting he was pitching middle and leg and Pants uh, was going the tonk um, as you can see 28 of 16 four fours and a six um, what Lyon did though from there was was uh, pitch it a little bit fuller um, a little bit wider adjusted his tactics um, and uh, and resulting in the wicket um, uh, I think being caught out there at uh, either deep point or deep cover, um, and I just thought that was that was just a, a thinking man's wicket, and I really appreciated it actually. Um, so that was great. Um, some decent fielding too in close from yep. uh, Finch and Hanscom, um, very helpful. Um, so that was good news, um, and I think you know Lyon really uh, showed what a class spinner he has uh, become. Um, and how critical he's become to the Australian setup. I mean, it doesn't feel that long ago that we were we'd, we'd spent uh, uh, a long period of time, four or five years, going through nine or ten different spinners trying to fill that hole. And yeah. here we are today with Nathan Lyon with three hundred plus Test wickets. Um, you know, it's been a hell of a rise. And um, uh, you're not wrong there, pal. So that so that's been great. Look. In as much, in so much, however, that um, the removal of Pant was good. I thought um, his innings, though, was also uh, quite uh, critical. Um, 
you know, mm. and really took really took the Aussies to task um, uh, with a quick fire twenty eight that I think was just again it was just the difference. You look at the other men around yeah. him. Uh, Sharma makes one. Uh, Ashwin obviously Italian makes five. Sh- um, uh, Ashwin uh, sorry Ashwin makes five. Sharma makes a duck. Shami makes a duck and Boomer makes a duck. If if you're able to turn Pant into a you know a, a sub ten score, that again could have, could have been a difference maker. Um, yeah, big time. But uh, and mate, I just be. wanted to quickly comment in that innings about Tim Payne's field, um, and in that the Lion, especially early on when he was facing um, Coley and Rahane, both of those guys were and Pujara for that matter were coming down the pitch at him. And there was bat pads and, you know, balls canning it into pads and bat and, and gloves in various orders and popping up on the on offside um, where there was no fielder. And it took a long time for Paney to plug that gap. And once he did, almost immediately, wickets started falling because mm. batsmen had to change their plans. Um, mm. So I think Paney's still sort of learning himself the best ways to, to deal with Lino and the best ways to utilize him. Um Starkey gave away a lot of buys in that he really struggled for control. He looked like he was having some problems with his his hammy or one of his legs was causing him a bit of discomfort, um, which doesn't fill me with joy. He still ended up with three for 40 and an economy rate of 1.8. So, you know, the keeper took on a lot of those uh, waywardness in in his innings, but it was all about length and line there, mate. You're right, six for 122. Mm. Um, Josh Hazelwood, one for 43. Paddy Cummins bowled without luck there, none for 55. But, I mean, credit has to go to India there, pal. They, especially Pajara, I mean... There's something really to be said for that classical style of test batsman, the accumulator, Mm. who's there to bat time and there to see his team home. And Australia could do with a bit of that. Um, We've got a lot of shot makers, but if our shot makers aren't making shots, then we're in trouble. Uh, We lost early wickets in the second dig. Aaron Finch went for 11. um, Harris, 26 again. Kawaja could not bother the scorers with eight. And Soss, as we mentioned before, um, really, really did a lot. He batted time. He got past that 10 and ended up with 60. And again, just looked so glorious through cover. I mean, you could just watch Sean Marsh drive through a cover all day, couldn't you? Five fours in that knock. Um... Hanscom, mate, failed to set the world on fire for me. Um, yeah. Uh, played a really dinky sort of cut shot to get caught behind. Um, and Travis Head, unfortunately, couldn't follow on from his first innings heroics. Uh, while I've just been criticising Payne, I'm going to give him a lot of credit here. I thought the way that he batted in that second dig was exceptional. Um, the 41 off 73, he gave us a really fighting chance, as did Cummins and Stark and Lyon. I'm going to say it again, mate. Nathan Lyon in that second dig with the bat was just extraordinary. Ordinary. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that that Pajara won the game with the bat, Nathan Lyon was. If Australia had won, it would have been uh, my pick for Australian player of the game. He was really quite awesome there. Um, Thirty-eight, not out, will put a nice bump in his innings. And look, mate, for a while there, you and I were texting each other, being like, "Could this be it? Could we get out of jail free?" And mm. in, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm pleased that we didn't. Um, I don't think Australia deserved to win this one. I think India really did. Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of points to make about that second uh, innings. Um, uh, if I can offer a, a slight correction there, Pat, um, I think Petty Hanscom was caught uh, p- uh, pulling the ball on a, on, on a 
uh, off a short one that was just short of a length, but not quite short enough to pull. Oh, you were right, mate. Yep. So uh, I'm thinking and, the first dig. And, and popped it, popped up into the air. Um, I just thought that uh, a, a few of the dismissals from our batsmen um, are not ones that they would necessarily look back on fondly. I think there's there's a there's a there's a difference between being beaten and and bowled uh well you know being beaten by a good delivery uh and and giving away your wicket um yeah uh, finchy was an interesting one um you know obviously a lot of conjecture about whether he actually um uh hit the ball um uh replays suggest that he didn't um he opted not to go up to the uh, drs review for a second time um you know i mean tough one uh, obviously, you know, if you think you've hit it, you think you've hit it. Um, uh, not too sure about that. But uh, again, that that could have been, the, you know, again, that moment could have been the difference in, in the second innings run chase. Uh, Marcus Harris, again, we talked about, was, was reasonably solid. Not, not much to add there. I thought it was Minkowaj's dismissal was a little bit un, um, a little bit underwhelming. Um, he'd been really patient for a long period of time. Yeah, he had um, eight off forty-two, and, and effectively the first aggressive shot he looked to play, uh, he holed out to deep cover uh, off Ashwin. It was just a little bit unnecessary. Uh, yeah, uh, and particularly from a guy that in the UAE was, uh, you know, our best performed batsman. I know he hasn't played a lot of cricket lately, recovering from injury, um, but um, I, I, that was that was a bit underwhelming. Um, and sure, Marge, as we talked about, you know, I, I think batted extremely well. Um, was unfortunate he couldn't get, couldn't quite close the job out. If he had to close the job out, then he's he would have found himself in work for the rest of the summer. Um, Peter Hanscom's dismissal was an interesting one. Um, uh, as we said before, uh, you know, getting uh, caught uh, pulling uh, on a ball that was just short of a length, but probably not short enough to pull. Um, and there was some commentary there that suggested that um, Peter Hanscom's just not confident enough on the, on his front foot. Um, and he's, so he's constantly looking to shift on his back foot to be able to score. And yeah. this has become a little bit predictable. Um, but... Uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Hanscom, for me, is the one in that batting lineup uh, that if there was to be a change, he would be the one looking over his shoulder at the moment. Um, yeah, I'd agree, mate. You know, given that Travis Head made 71 in the first innings, Sean Marsh made, makes a solid 60 in the second innings on a day five pitch. Um, Kawaja was solidly performed in the UAE. Harris has just made his test debut. Uh, and Finch was solidly performed in the UAE. Um, uh, Hanscom's the yeah. one that's probably looking over his shoulder a bit. Um, look, as you said, uh, Tim Payne's uh, uh, innings, I think, was uh, was very solid. Uh, gave Australia a fighting chance at victory. Um, and look, that's probably what you're going to get from Tim Payne. You know, I, I you know, we, yeah. I, whether or not we're going to see a defining test match century from, from T-Pain, I'm not too sure. I hope so. Um, but handy 30s, 40s, 50s uh, and, and digging in with a, with a partnership and, and more playing sort of that Ian Healy style role. You know, we're not going to get Adam Gilchrist out of Tim Payne, but that's okay. That's not what we need him yeah. for right now. Um, I thought Cummins batted well um, for a long time, 121 Far deliveries. Far out, he looks good, Paddy Cummins. Get him up to three, Bardo. Bloody, get him, get him out there. Yeah, Paddy well, Cummins at, is such a gun. At this rate, I thought it bowled very, sorry, batted very solidly uh, for twenty-eight. But 
you know, as we said, battered time, um, yeah. 121 balls, uh, and and that was that was great. Uh, you know, Stark uh, and uh, now apparently Lyon uh, are, are your sloggers. You know, they're, they're going to attempt to score at a quick click. But uh, uh, I thought, uh, and, and they were both very handy. Uh, you, you know, big shout has to go to Nathan Lyon. You know, that guy, uh, you know, yeah. really showed his medal, um, his competitive medal in, in that, sec- well, throughout the entire match. But it was really highlighted in that, uh, in, in that last innings with 38 not out. Uh, getting Australia within 31 um, uh, runs of victory. Uh, and even Josh Hazelwood contributed with 13 at the end there. And and, and I think that that's, again, that, that really just highlights to me that uh, uh, there were it, the, there was a lot of talk about how difficult the pitch was to bat on. But there were runs to be made there. It's not as if, it's not as if it was, you know, you know, they were playing in mud. Um, yeah. You know, there were runs to be made there. I think India batted marginally better than Australia, as reflected by, um, you know, the the result of the match, um, but not by much. And look, I think um, some positives uh, to come out of the game um, as a whole. So first of all, it was five days of highly entertaining Test cricket. Um, oh, absolutely. So that so that's a positive because that's what we've been asking for for a long time. Um, it wasn't. Um, you know, 550 in the first innings versus, you know, 490. Um, we weren't going into day five with only one innings being completed. And for years, we wanted pitches that generated, uh, that were more bowler friendly. So I, th- I don't think we can complain now that we've, yep. one's been dished up for us and, but it didn't quite go our way. So yep. I, I think from a spectator's point of view, even though we lost the game, that was great. Um, you know, would we have liked a few more runs on the board from all the Australians? Absolutely. But I think what we saw that was really pleasing was uh, a competitive spirit, a competitive fire, um, and they and no one would have left the ground um, at the Adelaide Oval thinking anything other than the Australian Test team takes a lot of pride in what they do, takes a lot of pride in the in the uniform that they wear, um, and um, and and a lot of pride in the effort that they gave um and i think that that's even though there were no standout uh, necessarily performances with the bat no centuries to be had um these these are guys that i would watch again and i will watch again next week uh, and mate if you turned up on the last day of that test you got a gold coin donation to get into the adelaide oval i mean that's a bloody steal if you are thinking about going down to the test i mean you can bet your old mate pc is going to be at the scg for the last day of the of the new year's day test at the scg forget about that two bucks i'm absolutely in there um, but yeah, Chris, I think you made some really good points there, mate. I think you're spot on. India ended up winning by 31 runs. Uh, Pajara was the man of the match. And look, it was an absolute cracker of a game. Now, big guy, our, our attention, of course, of course, turns to Perth. Um, Ricky Ponting has said in the media that he'd be surprised if any selections were different. He also expects the batting order to remain the same. Um, my only call, and I think you're probably with me on this, is that they were to make a change, would be Hanscom to come out for Mitch Marsh. But given the fact that Mitch just made an 11 and a 22, mm. he didn't exactly bang the door down. So I imagine they'll probably leave it exactly the same and and take that their four quicks will be able, three quicks, and Lino can do the job on the, 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 sorry, the Perth Stadium pitch. Um, is that your impression as well? 
Yeah, look, as I said earlier, I just can't see uh, a change being made. Um, I think that there's enough evidence there to suggest that this batting lineup can perform um, and can do a good job. Um, You know, uh, in terms of that middle order option, if you were to bring somebody in, you know, certainly Mitch Marsh is is an option, although not particularly well performed in the most recent uh, Sheffield Shield outing. Um, Some other options that you might look at, uh, I think Joe Burns, um, is not to be forgotten. Um, you know, he is opening the batting for uh, Queensland at the moment, but um, has played in the middle order for Australia in the past. Um, uh, the other name that I would throw out there, Pat, is uh, Marcus Stoinis. Um, you know, he's batting mm. well. He's taking a few wickets. He's very economical with the ball. Um, he's a good fielder. He's a nice, He seems like a decent bloke. Um, he's a proven match winner with the with the white ball in hand and 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 facing the white ball with the bat. Um, you know, uh, I just wonder uh, Marcus Stoinis potentially coming in at could you, could Marcus Stoinis come in at six um, and uh, have Travis head in at five um, and, and see if that's uh, see if that gives Australia a bit of an edge. Um, it's just something to think about. Be trained. Um, the it's only, an interesting thought. The only other change that uh, I, 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 is potentially on the cards, and I guess it depends on on form and well, not so much on form, right? Sorry, uh, on fitness um, would be uh, Stark, uh, Mitchell Stark. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Chris Tremaine um, get uh, get a look in. Um, he has been incredibly solid this season. Um, and, uh, you know, just a really, uh, just looks really dangerous. Um, offers something different, I think, as well, in terms of, uh, in, in terms of what we see with the Australian test lineup at the, at the minute. And maybe gives the Indians something that they haven't seen a lot of before. You know, they probably have a lot of tape on uh, Mitchell Stark, but how much tape do they have on Chris Tremaine? Um, I still think Mitchell Stark is is the premier fast bowler in the country, um, but if he's not uh, uh, fit and firing or, or or perhaps feeling a little bit drained, um, maybe time maybe it's time. This is the time to give Tremaine the, uh, the test berth. Having said all that, I don't think there'll be any changes. Well, mate, you left us a lot to ponder there. Another man who's going to give us a fair bit to ponder is our Indian correspondent Jai Singh, who's going to drop by right now with an Indian interjection. seen a great performance by India, winning the first test by 31 runs after falling to 4 for 41 and 5 for 86 in the first innings. This is a bit of a surprise to me because I was already preparing my eulogy for why India lost the first test having not had enough preparation and tour matches like they usually do. We found out a lot of good things about the Indian side. We found out that Chetesh Vipajara is back in form. He offers a lot to India as a uh, accumulating number three, protecting the stroke players from the new ball. Uh, Virat Kohli didn't have a big match, but expect a lot more from him in the future because he's the one Indian batsman who can easily adjust between formats. Ajiki Rane has re-demonstrated his credentials. Having first come to prominence in South Africa and Australia in 2013 and 14, in the meantime, he's been playing a lot in India, where he's nowhere near as impressive, and he's also been trying to prove himself as a limited overs player. That's why his thinking has become scrambled over the last few years, and his place has been questioned as his output has fallen. 
The second innings at Adelaide is a hopeful sign that he can re-establish himself as India's best batsman overseas. And that would give India three reliable overseas batsmen, which basically is more than they usually have. Bowling looks good, and I think this is India's best overseas attack, especially for Australian conditions. They acclimatise to correct lengths much more quickly than Asian seamers tend to, and you just have to hope Ishant Sharma doesn't get too many people out off no balls. The only problem India have with the bowlers is they do have a long tail. They're all number 11s by modern standards, and only Ravi Chandran Ashwin would bat ahead of Australia's 9, 10 and Jack. Vishal Pant equaled the world record for catches, even though his wicket-keeping is a work in progress. I think it reflects well on India's ability to generate chances. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about how he might go on a flat pitch where you only get one or two edges an hour. He might drop one of them and that could be fatal. With a bat, he was extremely uh, dangerous in the second innings. He was batting to instructions from Virat Kohli, who wanted him to seize the game. But I hope that he can become a bit more of a Verenda Sehwag than a Shahid Afridi, and then he'll be an extremely valuable player. India have got three major problems with their team at the moment. Firstly, they haven't got a fifth bowler. Murli Vijay, as the fifth bowler, is basically just there for a change of ends. He's got one wicket at nearly 200 in test matches and he's got 11 first-class wickets in 130 matches. The alternative is Hanumal Vihari, who was the number six in the England series. He's got 22 first-class wickets at 37. They're both off-spinners. Obviously, Vihari offers a bit more than Vijay. Vihari also would answer the number six question. Rohit Sharma has never succeeded at test level, except for 200s in his first two innings five years ago. No one, in fact, has filled the number six spot successfully for India since Saurav Ganguly retired in 2008. The typical method for the Indian selectors is to get a limited overs hitter and try and put him at number six so that he can move the scoring rate ahead. That's why you have Yuvraj Singh and Suresh Raina playing about 50 tests between them. It hasn't worked. It's time to get a proper test match player. Vihari averages 59 from 66 first-class matches he made a 50 on debut against England from 4 for 103. It's hard to see what more he could do. India's other option is to bring in an extra bowler. Given the long tail, they'd have to bring in Ravindra Jadeja, which means two spinners and either Jadeja or Ashwin will bat at 7. The final question India have got is who should open? Basically, Muli Vijay and Kail Rahul will have to open in the next test because Prithvi Shaw is still injured. He started jogging, but he's still wearing an ankle brace. Rifi Shaw is only 18, but he has a lot of expectation on him. He scored a century in his first match against the West Indies, and he scored it very quickly. I can't remember an Indian batsman having more expectation on him at such a young age since Sachin Tendulkar. When he's fit, you'd assume he's the first-choice opener. Vijay and Rahul both had the reputation of being test-match-style accumulators when they first burst onto the scene. Since then, the IPL has made them uncertain whether they want to be test match batsmen or big hitters. One of them is going to have to open with Bridgefield Shaw, but for the next test, with the two of them, you're basically just hoping for a partnership rather than expecting one. Nevertheless, this is India's best chance to win a series in Australia since 1978, saw so World Series cricket take most of Australia's talent out of the equation. 
We'll see whether India make the opportunity or whether this becomes another famous what if story. Oh boy, the analysis. Thank you, Jai. What an outstanding Indian interjection there. Thank you for coming on board the team. Bardo, I feel like I learned so much in that five minutes. I'm now a qualified engineer. <laughs> All right. A cricket engineer. Great. An engineer of cricket. All right. Well, that's a, that could be a thing. Um, I think. Start running short courses. Yeah, yeah, cert three. Um, uh, big man, um, I wanted to ask you about Crick Lit, big guy. I understand you've just yeah. finished Richie Benno's book. Talk to me about it. Give me an overview of Richie Benno's My Spin on Cricket. Yeah, so um, Richie Benno's My Spin on Cricket uh, is a autobiographical book uh, written by the great Richie Benno, of course, the doyen of, for so many years of Channel 9 uh, commentary, uh, known for the uh, the cream, the bone, the off-white uh, oh. jackets um, mm. and the, uh, the wonderful uh, phrasing of the word to – Chew. Um, so, so many things. Um, but uh, over and above that, um, before his commentary stint, um, of course, uh, one of the great Australian all-rounders, uh, a leg spinner, uh, middle-order yep. batsman, uh, Australian captain, um, most famously, of course, captain Australian in the tied test against the West Indies in 1961 in Brisbane, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, against the uh, mighty Frank Worrell. Um, oh. such a um, such a contributor to Australian cricket for such a long period of time. Um, my spin on cricket, it's important to note, uh, was published in 2005. Uh, so right, Richie okay. would have been 75 when the book was written. Of course, he, he passed away uh, recently. Um, but it is really interesting um, for on a couple of fronts. One, because um, the book being published in 2005, that was uh, terrifyingly 13 years ago. Um, and, um, a lot of, and he offers some, uh, predictions about the game and, and it's interesting to sort of see which ones have come to fruition. Uh, in fact, most of them actually. Um, and, uh, and, and so that was interesting. I thought one of the things that was, uh, uh, a little bit hilarious though about the book, um, uh, is the way in which, uh, Richie marvels at the, developments uh of technology in terms of broadcasting um and it was a little bit uh old man uses computer for the first time (laughs) i mean mate like rolling back to the start of the book the way that he talks about you know doing a radio course um, at the bbc you know at his young days as a cricketer and how that much that affected him and then hearing the guy talk about like digital media is just you know, yeah. he saw a lot, Richie, I think is the best way he to saw deal a with lot. that. Saw a lot. Look, and I think if you'd, if you'd started in the era when Richie started, this stuff would be amazing to you. I guess we just take a lot yeah. for granted. And so it's a little bit like, okay, thanks, Dad. Um, but <laughs> well, um, um, a bit of that. What was but, your favorite part there, Big Man? Look, uh, I, th- I think the my, my favorite... The couple of points I'd make. So my, my, my favorite part of the book is uh, probably when he talks about um, his love of guys like, um, uh, God, I've just blanked on their names. 
Uh, Keith, guys like Keith Miller, um, his, yep. and his love of guys like Arthur Morris. Um, I, I really, I really appreciated that, and I, I think it, it it opened a window um, into an era of Australian cricket, um, which is obviously a glorious uh, period of time, um, but one that uh, maybe those of us that grew up in the the eighties and nineties uh, perhaps haven't spent as much time investigating as we should have. So I thought that was I thought that was that was utterly wonderful. Um, I really appreciated when he talked about um, his father's cricket prowess and his father's father's influence on on him as a cricketer um, and uh, his time at the Penrith Cricket Club. Um, I thought that that stuff was all all really really good and really enjoyable, um, and the influence that um, you know great leg spinners of the past such as Clary Grimmett um, and Bill Tiger O'Reilly had on his development as a cricketer. Um, yeah. I think that stuff is that is just pure gold, and and is uh, if you're if you're a cricket nuffy like us, Pat, um, you should yes, read indeed, the book Chris. on those those grounds alone. Um, some areas where where maybe it wasn't as strong um, uh, 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 were first of all, um, Richie had such an iconic voice, and the audio book which I listened to uh, was voiced over by a man by the name of Jeff. Anus, I want to say, um, right. and um, he's he's perfectly fine. He's perfectly acceptable, but he's not Richie. And yeah. Richie had That's such he had such an iconic voice, and um, it's just unusual to hear his words and his autobiography spoken to you in an English voice. Um, and yeah. Some minor points about Jeff's pronunciation of things. It's a little bit annoying. Um, sure. because he says stuff like Penrith instead of Penrith oh. and um, Coogee instead of Coogee. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> stuff like that. So that's frustrating. Um, and um, uh, I think just some other points where uh, Richie recycles stuff that he's already talked about. Um, so sure. um, he released a... Uh, a something a few years ago called Richie's Greatest Eleven or My Greatest Eleven, um, and he pretty much just offers a summary of that book for a couple of chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about My Greatest Eleven. Here it is again yeah. in shortened format yeah. for you, yeah. the listener. Get amongst <laughs> it. Here's the you may, I'm summary. Richie Benno. You may remember me from my previous books, yeah. uh, which you'll find over the next four chapters. Um, so that was pretty funny, um, and, and that was a wee bit dry. Um, but you know, I, I think you know you're not going to read that book and not learn something about cricket and uh, and the way that it's played and, and the way that it's evolved, both in Australia and, and in England, because he does talk a lot about his time um, with the BBC and uh, and with Channel Four um, in in England and the way that television coverage has evolved. And also worth picking up for um, his his take on uh, Hansi Kronje, um, oh. which revisited a, a, a really fascinating um, period of, of cricket at the turn of the century, of course. You, you remember the, the match-fixing scandal surrounding Hansi Kronje. And it's just really interesting because um, Richie, obviously, through his professional roles, was in and around that uh, at the time... Um, uh, well, just just prior when the South Africans toured Australia in 1998, um, and he tells a uh, a really interesting story, and I think has some interesting perspectives on that. So, look, certainly, um, 
if you enjoyed Richie, uh, if you enjoy uh, cricket as much as we do, uh, part with the cash. Um, if you are seeking to um, uh, get a bit of a, the, the t- some Richie-isms, um, then you may be better off saving your money and purchasing, purchasing a 12th man CD. Um, <laughs> From your local sanity music yeah, store yeah. Um, or wherever you buy your syndicated uh, music devices. Um, B-Man, thank you for that. I, I'm, I feel like you're heading more towards the cash than the trash there, pal. Yeah, look, um, certainly... I can't, there was no, there was never going to be any, any other decision, was there? So certainly, cash no. for me in terms of my spin on cricket. Um, I'm sure it'll be in the library or a, uh, a discount uh, bin you worth picking up if you come across. Outstanding, B man. Thank you for that. And look, it's going to be a big episode this episode, so I think let's wrap it there, pal. Um, B man, thank you so much for being with me. Great to have you back. Thank you to Heidi Cheadle and to Jai Singh for their wonderful entries into our correspondence and additions to the pod. We absolutely love that. Um, if you're not already, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, I'm only posting the most recent episodes on SoundCloud these days because I've switched hosting places. So if you're a SoundCloud fan, fan and you want to see the full back catalogue you can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify any of those places we're basically everywhere you can get a podcast now uh, which is pretty damn exciting Uh, and keep spreading that word folks, keep uh, sharing it with your buds and reviewing and liking and rating us, we really really appreciate it Uh, if you want to get in touch you can send us an email at gingersnapsydney that's all one word at gmail.com and I think that's all of the plugging from me, B-Man any final thoughts before we sign off Hey man, Perth test, first test at the um, new stadium, Uh, we'll see how we go, hopefully more productive than the previous outing so far, Um, but exciting to see uh, the Australian uh, test roadshow roll into the west. Absolutely. All right, thank you very much ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the next test and go those Aussies!